Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Figaro. What's going on, everybody? We have Nick Gray, as usual, back on the show, and the two of us start off this episode. I just kind of wanted to start off on a light note and kind of, I call it the tech appreciation moment. <laughs> there are just some thoughts that I wanted to put out there, and one of them happens to do with Amazon Fresh. If you're not familiar, Amazon Fresh is a grocery concept that actually takes away a lot of interaction with people. You just walk in, scan your stuff, get your stuff, scan your code one more time, and then leave. I actually have one near me now, so I wanted to share some experiences on that. But then after that, it's all about Google I.O. We hype up this new show that's about to be happening in a few days and all of the potential hardware announcements that might be coming out. Pixel 6a, Pixel Watch, maybe Pixel Buds Pro. We talk about the things that we would want to see in these devices uh, and look forward to Google I.O. happening once again for this year. With all that said, let's get into this episode of the Pocket Weekly Podcast. Enjoy. Wanted to start the show off with some light thoughts. Uh, every time I come into a show, I always have a few things that I want to get off my chest. Um, nothing too negative. We did that in the pre-show. <laughs> I was kind of ranting about a few things. Um, but here's a question. Something new happened in my... not near, This is not my neighborhood, but the area around my office. Let's just call it that. Because um, I don't live in the office. Uh, do you have an Amazon Fresh near you, Nick? No, we do not have an Amazon Fresh near is it, is it is it anywhere in Ohio? It's got to be, right? Um, I would... Let me do a quick Google search to see if yeah. there's an Amazon Fresh. Because one opened up so close to my office, which is a big deal, because the next closest one is like two or three cities away. So, yeah, I went, I've been going to it. <laughs> and putting the Black Mirror stuff aside, I just wanted to have like a tech appreciation moment on the, on the podcast to start off, so we can start off on a really light note. And I just want to say I really appreciate how far we've come. Like, this is actually really really cool um I'll, I'll share my experience real quick um but did you see if there's one in ohio um i don't know if there's one in ohio but there's nothing close to my zip code we have a whole foods marketplace where we can place our order online and pick it up uh -huh. um but no we don't have an amazon fresh so so how much do you know about this whole amazon there. like grocery experience Oh, I mean, they've been around for a while now. I, I yeah. followed the news when they were first announced the first prototype store and, you know, all the YouTubers going in and, you know, vlogging their experience and that. So, I mean, it's it seems pretty compelling and intriguing. But honestly, we have not gone grocery shopping in a store, like besides going to pick up something extra that might have been missed we have not gone grocery shopping in a store since before the pandemic oh. all the added uh store curbside pickup they added deliveries and since then you know that four dollar fee that they charge uh just to do the grocery shopping for you you pull up they put the groceries in your car and you go home that's the best thing ever we never want to go inside a grocery store ever again if we can avoid it really because i'm on the other i'm the i'm on the other side of the fence like um Isa would tell you that my happy place is a Sprouts market. And oh, I like I don't mind shopping, but like the weekly we have to pick up $150 worth of groceries to fill up the house. You know, we're shopping for me, my wife and my kids and the pets and anything else we might need at the grocery store for, you know, the next week or two. That just 
is tedious and annoying when you have to do it every Tuesday. So instead, I just drive to Aldi every Tuesday and they just throw it in the back of the car. I, I would happily be that person that goes to a grocery store on the way home from work to construct a nice dinner that night. Like that's that's my whole thing. Like that's why I like it. And the other thing is there's a sense of discovery for me because since I'm diabetic and I, I tend toward keto items, I love seeing new stuff pop up. Um, that being said, Amazon Fresh as a grocery store is not necessarily very keto friendly. Like there are certain things there that are good, but they don't have like the same selection. The selection as, like, sprouts. Is good. Exactly. Sprouts or a Whole Foods. But I got to say, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that whole experience. Like I, I went in there, I could use my own bag and I mean, sure, there are cameras everywhere and sensors everywhere. Um, so that whenever you touch an item or take it out of its spot, it knows that you did that. And then as you walk out, it probably has like the barcodes already sort of known in the system that way when you scan to leave the amazon fresh without even talking to anybody though though i will say this amazon fresh does still have a section in the middle where if you want that more classic um teller, check out experience check out experience thank you um yeah you can still do that if you want to and there are still some people who do who are doing that because they're all from my from from my experience when i was walking in and walking out there was always somebody there who has just like no idea what amazon fresh is and what the actual conceit of the store is supposed to be. They come in mm -hmm. thinking, oh, Amazon opened a grocery, but they don't understand that they have to like go, they have to have Prime, first of all, or they have to at least have an Amazon account yep. and all that stuff. Well, I mean, there, yes, well, there are plenty of people who do have Prime. There are more people who do not have Prime and are not interested in getting Prime. So, you know, they, they want to make sure that they're not leaving those people out in the lurch, you know, they they have those people still have money and Amazon still wants their money so they just they'll figure it need out need to find a way to include them right yeah they'll figure it out I I, I mean I, but to the point though that I was making earlier like right yeah. now we don't like going to the grocery store and how you were saying you'd love to you know stop by the grocery store on the way home to create dinner when we lived in Italy we probably went to the grocery store three to four times a week because it was a local neighborhood grocery store. Yeah. There was not the ability to drive to the grocery store. So in Italy, everyone goes around with these little pull carts that they take when they go out shopping. And all we could fit was everything that we could fit inside this shopping cart. And so for a family of four, that's typically two to three days worth of food. And you, you walk at home, you know, a half mile or three quarters of a mile. And that's all the food you can take. And honestly, I love that experience because you get to know the, the you know, people working at the grocery store, you know, the people on the way to the grocery store, there's other businesses and, you know, you're supporting the local community here in the U S most people cannot live that lifestyle just because mm -hmm. we have this car centric development that makes it impossible to do that. I honestly wish it's something that we could do here in the US. And you know, if you live in a dense metro area, definitely something that's more uh, more possible in those areas. But if you live anywhere, you know, five miles out of the central business district or the retail district of a city, it's impossible to do that. I wonder if a place like this, sorry, I have to, I have to get the other earbud because I just got the low battery notification. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, I, I do think what, what I find so interesting about this concept that Amazon is creating with Amazon Go and Amazon Fresh is that it can work in both of the scenarios you just talked about. Like it can absolutely mm -hmm. be the place that someone walks in, like it was in Seattle. Granted, I was in downtown Seattle where the actual Amazon offices are, so they're very used to all of this. But they 
literally walk in, grab a few things for lunch, and then walk right out. Don't have to talk to anybody. Don't have to like go through any the of the difference is I like talking to somebody. And so like <laughs> I'm not I, saying I, I don't. Love, I'm just I, saying they, you don't have to. <laughs> I, I, I love the little grocery stores with uh, the deli and you talk to the butcher and you you go ask for your meat or you know, you're getting fish. Uh, and you get to know the person that's at the cash register because you go three times a week and it's just a neighborhood oh, yeah, grocery sure. store. And so like, it's not like we're going to be best friends, but I know her name and I know when she goes on vacation. Um, so yes, Amazon's doing a good thing by bringing back, uh, community grocery stores and the fact that they're, you know, you don't have to get in a car and drive somewhere. You can actually find a community grocery store inside your neighborhood, but they're taking the people out of it, which I think is the worst part about it. Yeah, you're not you're not getting to know anybody, but they're getting to know. No, you. you're you're just <laughs> giving Amazon your money, and that's yeah, they're much getting it. to know you. They they know what you're, you're you're looking for. And by the way, it's not a perfect system. When I came back from a recent one uh, the other day, uh, it did think that an item I put back on the shelf I still had, so I had to tell it in the app. Well, fortunately, the refund policy on those is pretty. Oh yeah, it's very straightforward. Like, say, I, I did not take, take this. this, and they're like, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So I just yeah. wanted to give, I wanted to put that out there a little bit. I don't know if any of our listeners uh, happen to be near like an Amazon Fresh, but it's it's interesting. Like I, when I saw it being constructed, I was like, oh snap! Like now there's one in my county, whereas I would have to go to a whole different place to experience that. But yeah, it's um, it's just a, it's just sort of like this future futuristicification of things. You know? And I, I kind of, I'm I'm always going to be here for it because it's cool. Uh, implications aside. Uh, another tech appreciation thing I wanted to put forth at the beginning of this show. Um, I have a big trip coming up. So I'm heading out to the Philippines to spend time with Isa and her family. So I'm going to be gone for like a month. And I recently went to went on a trip with my parents up to um, Seattle just to see some lovely tulips and whatnot. Got a lot of great shots up there. Um, I I had an aha moment or or really just a moment of gratitude as I was sort of packing things up in the hotel room. Do you remember back in even four or five years ago, which which when we think of the certain memories from, let's say, a trip like MWC um, three or four years ago, it, it was... It's it, been a long time. It's, it feels like a long time, but the, the memories are still vivid enough that it's actually not that far back. Um, so three or four years ago, the amount of tech, the bulkiness of the tech that we've had to, to travel with, to do the things that we need to do, everything's gotten smaller and more efficient. And I'm just sort of, I just want to put forth like a, I appreciate the fact that we have, <laughs> that we can pack lighter and we can still do things effectively. And we can still like, there's, I remember in the middle of pandemic at, at its peaks, um, we were saying that there are all these things that we've learned, all, the, all of these things that we've acquired in 2020 and 2021 that we can't wait to put into action to actually bring with us and go on trips. And I'm looking forward to this upcoming trip to do stuff like that. I, I will say, though, I'm the complete opposite because now my tech that I take to trade shows is larger than it ever was. I mean, I remember going back, I don't know, 2013, 2014, I was going to trade shows with a netbook, which is smaller than my Ultrabooks now. Uh, it's a little bit thicker, maybe a little bit heavier, but, it, you know, still like an 11 12 inch display but then the camera that i was using was uh it was um like an a6100 from sony which is with the lenses that i was using at the time is so much smaller than my 
a seven three with, you know, my <laughs> 24 to 70 lens, like my, my camera now weighs more than my laptop and my camera weighed back in 2013, 2014. So, uh, yes, technology technically is getting smaller, but for certain use cases, it's getting bigger and heavier. Um, so I don't know. Well, I mean, I'll, uh, this would have been a perfect segue if this episode was sponsored by someone like anchor, <laughs> because I am going to talk about anchor sponsored right now. by anchor. I wish they were, but this right here has been a game changer for me because, okay, we've used anchor for a lot of stuff and I know there have been so many trips where I've brought like the multi-port bricks so they're already kind of big, and then they come mm -hmm. with a long, like, standard power cable. Now, because of GAN, G-A-N, uh, charging technology, like, we have, this is this is three ports on this little yep. thing. This is amazing. <laughs> well, so to, to flip that on its head, so I will say, I went to Mobile World Congress in February, and um, Zenger was kind enough to send me over one of their international travel chargers, which is similar to that but um hold on a second let me grab it okay yeah so obviously we're talking in, in like the travel sense listeners um but yeah this is a uh, oh there you go so this would be like the adapter so that you can actually plug into things um so this yeah, has it's a multi-port uh plug that you can go from u.s chargers to european Euro. chargers to uh, the UK, to Chinese. Uh, so it has three different chargers that you can plug in. And then on the backside, you have a whole lot more chargers that you can plug in as far as your devices to plug in. And then it has four ports on the side here. So USB-A, mm. three USB-Cs. And then on the side, it has another USB-C, which is power delivery. And the side one uh, puts out 100 watts power delivery. So this is smaller than, I would say, Apple's chargers from a couple years ago. It's a little bit bigger than what you would get from Xiaomi or OnePlus for their proprietary charging bricks. Um, but this is a travel charger and everything built in. Uh, it's called the Zenger Passport 3. And it is freaking amazing. So yeah. I, in the past, I've always had to travel with a converter brick, depending on where what country I'm going to, that was roughly the size of this plus my charger. Now I just had this and three USB-C cables, and that was enough to power my laptop, my smartphone, my camera, and any other device because everything's using USB-C these days. So it was this and three USB-C. I think I had the extra long USB-C cables, so the six-foot cables, just to make sure I could plug it in and you know be close to the bed in the hotel room, things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's one of the examples of technology getting smaller and more adaptive to our use cases. Something yeah. like this two, three I, years ago just wouldn't be around. Exactly. And I, I just, it was just one of those aha moments, and it just kind of came to mind earlier because I also recently picked up another anchor thing. Uh, this is a brand new uh, MagSafe compatible. This is a 10,000 milliamp hour charger, wireless charger that also has a USB-A and a USB-C port. So this actually might be the one power bank that I would need for this upcoming trip that I'm about to take. And it's really awesome. So like, I don't know. It's just, I, I get that this is all, I don't, these are all items that fit a certain lifestyle perhaps, but 
coming from the person who always talks about like trying to optimize items and things and workflows and all of that as much as possible, it's always worth seeing if there's an update to an established way of doing things. And it's getting updated on the regular these days. Like we are getting well, and the one thing that a lot of people don't realize the innovations that we see in uh, electric vehicles and the battery technologies that are being developed for electric vehicles. Some of those are actually going to be implemented at the same time or even a little bit sooner in mobile devices as well. And we're seeing right now the first implementations and prototypes of solid state batteries, mm -hmm. which offer roughly an increase in power density of about 40% over current lithium ion phosphate batteries, which is essentially what we use. I mean, we use different variations within our smartphones, but lithium ion phosphates with the uh, energy density that we have. We have cell pouches on the inside of smartphones. And imagine being able to get 40% more battery inside the same space inside of a smartphone. So with a 5,000 milliamp hour battery, 40% more, you're looking at you know, a 7,000 to 7,300 milliamp hour battery inside the same space. Once solid state battery technology becomes mainstream, which is going to be the next two to three years as they're pushing out these prototypes for um, the automotive industry and getting the testing done there, putting all the money in there. But that's going to trickle down to the smartphone industry as well, which means <laughs> imagine walking around with a Pixel 6 Pro with a 7000 milliamp hour battery. Then it becomes a two-day device pretty easily, right? As long as, then, long as we don't have like heating and... Uh, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> by then, though, um, the processors become more efficient and whatever. So we don't need a 7,000 milliamp hour battery. We need a 6,000, which means we can make the battery smaller and put other components on the inside or use that space for something else. True. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, okay. Well, I, I just wanted to kind of put that out there. Every now and then we need to, we need to make sure that we are appreciating the things that are getting updated, the things that are actually moving forward. Um, whether it's like a different shopping experience or just easier items to bring uh, that on 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 scenarios that we that we are on very often in our case and me and Nick's case obviously it's travel um, but yeah you know just wanted to put that out there just a little bit of a tech appreciation moment um, that being said uh, iterations are going to it's just the way of the world uh, so we just want to celebrate that there are times when the iterations are actually really awesome so I just wanted to put that out there. But we are going to talk about some iterations because we have a very special event coming up very soon in the tech world, Google I.O. So there are going to be quite a few things that we're looking forward to then. And hopefully they're going to be just as exciting as everything Nick and I just mentioned. Let's talk about Google I.O. after the break. There's always a certain amount of hype or just excitement, probably more than most events, if you ask me, like. Google I.O. tends to get out of, I mean, obviously Android users, <laughs> um, some level of excitement, something that is akin to the whole WWDCs of the world from Apple and whatnot, um, that I just don't feel like really happens much more in the Android world. Like, sure, Unpacked is exciting, but I think Google I.O. is giving us a real glimpse into like what the future of the Android ecosystem and everything that encompasses it is going to be. So we have Google I.O. literally happening in just a matter of days. 
So I guess for the last, for the back half of this episode, I just want to kind of hype it up a little bit and just talk about it. So I'll, I'll let you take the reins uh, here, um, Nick. Like, what are some things that you're really looking forward to with this upcoming I.O.? Well, I mean, Google I.O. is mainly supposed to be about the technologies that Google's bringing and the development that they're bringing for all their software that they deliver across the board. I mean, there are so many different breakout sessions uh, that they have for developers to talk about the new improvements that they're bringing and then showing how developers can use them in their products in order to improve software for pretty much everyone across the board. But that being said, as smartphone enthusiasts that we are, the main highlight has been the last couple of years that Google's been announcing some mid-range smartphones at these events. Uh, they started a couple of years back with the Pixel 3a, kicking off the A series of devices uh, that they have across the board now with uh, the smartphones and also the earbuds. But we are expecting this year that we're going to be seeing the Pixel 6a, uh, another mid-range smartphone from them, but uh, the cheaper version of the Pixel 6, which honestly is already pretty cheap when compared to flagship devices that are on the market right now. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what this actually turns into. There's been a whole lot of rumors regarding um, the camera specifications of this device and also the chipset on the inside. We'll have to wait and see if they actually hold true. But uh, based off of what we've seen so far in leaked benchmarks, it looks like the Pixel 6a is going to actually be running the same Tensor chipset that we're seeing in the Pixel 6 and the 6 Pro, which means we'll have a mid-range price device, which we don't know the price of yet, but it should be running that same chipset, which is essentially equivalent to a Snapdragon 8, not not a Snapdragon 8, a Snapdragon 888 from last year, which is a flagship device or a flagship chipset from Qualcomm. Yeah, Google's definition of like a high-end flagship in a way. Yeah, the the best that you could get from 2021, which, which was when, you know, the Pixel 6 and the Pixel 6 Pro were unveiled. Uh, and also on par essentially with a MediaTek uh, 8100 chipset as well. All so right. Well, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if, I don't know, the price point of this phone is going to be the the main feature because we've yeah. seen Pixel 6a devices, uh, sorry, Pixel a devices go from anywhere around $350 to $450. Uh, so if we can land somewhere in the middle there with the Pixel 6 selling for $600, I do think... You know, if it is that running that Tensor chipset, a $450 price point would seem pretty fair. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it all depends on what the other features are. And if the leaked images are correct, it looks like it may have the same fit and finish as the current Pixel 6 devices that are on the market. I'm I'm really hoping that it's around that four to 450, like, because I've I've made no bones about how much I enjoy coming back to the Pixel 6 Pro. Like it, it has been a bit of a struggle coming back to the flagship Pixel and choosing it either over or under the um, Galaxy S22 Ultra. I actually adore these two devices and yes, they are the highest end phones. So it's probably not a surprise that we like these phones, but I keep coming back to the Pixel 6 Pro mainly because of what the Tensor chip is providing in practical everyday scenarios. Now. 
maybe not a lot of people out there actually do things like voice typing as normally as I do, but I would implore everybody to at least try it, especially if you get your hands on, let's say, a 6A that has Tensor in it. This would be the perfect time to actually get those users in and make that use case scenario more ubiquitous because it's more affordable and yet you still have the same level of capability. Like I, I tell Nick all the time, uh, quite literally, because I'm voice typing it to him, that like I'm using voice typing when we're on Telegram and we're trying to talk to one another. And it's like so good. I cannot type an email anymore. Like I'm just so spoiled now. Like swipe typing an email just does just feels so laborious compared to just saying what I'm thinking already <laughs> into the email. And this is, and I'm not even talking about the cameras yet, because if we have, depending on the hardware that's going to end up on the 6A. Now, if you ask me, I think the camera hardware is going to be more akin to, let's say, a Pixel 5. I personally think so. I don't think it's going to get the high hardware that the Pixel 6 Pro got. No, and so the rumors do show that the camera hardware is pretty much going to be identical to what we got on the Pixel 5, save for the uh, ultra-wide camera that has been downgraded, I believe, to a 12-megapixel sensor but the pixels on that sensor are going to be 25% larger. So technically mm. it's an upgrade resolution downgrade, but overall sensor upgrade. So better cameras than what we saw on the pixel five. But honestly, like if you look at any other device that's under, I don't know, even, even compared to the pixel six, the pixel five still holds its own when taking photos. The only disappointment for me is the video quality, but hopefully they might have some improvements there with the video quality because we actually did see a big improvement in video quality capture with the Pixel 6 and specifically right. the Pixel 6 Pro as well, even with the selfie camera because the Pixel 6 Pro has an upgraded selfie camera over the Pixel 6. Right, right. Yeah, I agree. And the the thing about the A-series devices that has been such a good sticking point is that you get a good level of quality, especially in photos that most people use. I mean... Probably 99% of users are taking more photos than they are videos. Like we are the creators that take more videos. But for the practicality sense of somebody taking an affordable Pixel device on a trip, which is literally what we did in 2019, like we all went on trips and had three or four A's on us. I think it was four A um, at the time. And that was like one of the best tools to have on the go. Small phone, easy to use, really good handling. Um, reliable enough battery life, I'll say, because it wasn't mm -hmm. amazing. But then once we needed to take our selfies and to actually enjoy the moment and to actually capture the moment, those cameras, you just they just couldn't be beat. Like the results well, yeah, and just could not Google's be Google's selfies are so much better than so many of its competitors. Even I, I would, I, I do my camera comparisons and I, I would take the Pixel 4a and take a selfie with that eight megapixel sensor and put it up against a Samsung Galaxy S21 and take a selfie with that. And you're looking at a $400 device versus a, a $900 device. And it was night and day. The clear winner was the $400 smartphone just because Google realized and kind of perfected what you need to do in taking a photo with the hardware that you have versus, hey, let's try to get a you know, a higher resolution sensor in there that can impress people on paper, but not necessarily deliver the results that you need when taking a photo, especially 
especially in low light conditions, because there's so many, there's so many smartphones that can take a good selfie when the lighting is perfect. Go outside, the sun is shining, take a great photo. The second the sun goes below the horizon or you're in a bar or a restaurant with your friends and you're taking a selfie, you can tell immediately when you have a Pixel smartphone and you have anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, and even if the flagship phone inched forward past what the A-series Pixel was able to do, you still have to remember, for the quality you're getting on the iPhone, you're paying almost for the half price. the price. Yeah. For the price. For the price. And that's that's the thing that has been selling these A-series devices for Google for since the inception with the Pixel 3a. Like, people were not that enthused about the 3a when it was announced originally at Google IO, they thought the price was interesting. And then they started taking pictures with this phone and they were blown away and there was nothing else on the market that could match it. And still to this day, there is nothing else on the market that can match it specifically in the U S market. There are some really good devices from Realme and Oppo uh, this past year and a half that could probably go head to head with them because they are using some really good camera sensors on their devices. That being said, it's really hard to find them in a lot of places in Europe and impossible to find them here in the US market. Yeah, agreed. Uh, so a lot of high hopes for the Google, yeah, the Google, the Pixel 6a, uh, the Google Pixel 6a. The alphabet Google <laughs> Pixel the alphabet 6a. Google Pixel 6a. It just gets more. Let's just get more and more complicated as we go along. Excel. And if it's on, <laughs> if it's on Verizon, it's it's the five G UW. You yeah, right. Um, so that is something that we are more or less expecting. But as far as things that we are really holding out hope for, we obviously have seen some leaks, some left in a bar <laughs> devices, um, reminiscent of Apple leaks from years a, ago a little bit i still call shenanigans personally but <laughs> the pixel watch um this is going to be probably the most interesting one because for way too long now we have all been wondering just what the hell where or wear os it's going to be called where but what the hell where is actually going to bring to the table and we were supposed to see a version of that when when samsung brought out the galaxy watch 4 and 4 active or 4 classic 4 um those watches were supposed to have a version of Wear OS that was far and beyond what we were used to already. It was supposed to sh signal that shift to a Fitbit forward slash Samsung and Google get together and make Wear OS something that actually works <laughs> moment. Mm -hmm. And now we're probably going to get it on a piece of hardware actually engineered by Google. Hopefully it's actually going to be... All the software better be there, let me just say that. Because that when the Galaxy Watch came out, we were all like, where is everything? The fact that I still can't do Google Assistant on that watch. It's coming. It, <laughs> it's, it's so coming. It's probably coming next week at Google I.O. Likely. Likely. Uh, but yeah, Pixel Watch, how are we feeling about that? I'm, I'm actually torn about this because I, I'm really looking forward to some internal hardware from Google as far as creating what a smartwatch should be running Wear OS, not relying on Samsung to dictate what the design elements are and, you know, controlling the whole ecosystem on their own. Kind of like what we do, what Apple does with the Apple Watch. I mean, I'm not a fan of the Apple ecosystem. I've, you know, I've personally never used a an Apple Watch for more than a week. But 
it's one of those things where when you can control the entire ecosystem from the hardware to the software to the phone it's supposed to be paired with, you have a different experience there. And not to say that the Pixel Watch is going to be something that's going to be exclusive for Pixel smartphone users, but f having having that complete control over what the experience is going to be is going to be a game changer because we all know that the Samsung watch does work better with Samsung smartphones. And so it's, it's going to be a no brainer to say that the Wear OS watch is going to be, or the pixel watch is going to be working better with a pixel smartphone smartphone. But for a lot of people who don't know, um, with the transformation or the move with um, Samsung going from Tizen to Wear OS last year with the new uh, the Watch 4, they dramatically shifted the market share for Wear OS. I'm just looking right now at an RS Technica article looking at Q3 numbers of 2021 compared to Q3 numbers of 2020, where Wear OS was at 3.2% of the market share and uh, Watch OS was at 28%. Going into one year later, with Samsung now on Wear OS, it shifted the market hmm. to 17.3% Wear OS versus 21.8% to Watch OS. So this dramatic shift just within the last year bringing in uh, Wear OS as far as the platform goes, growing it like five-fold in just one year. Imagine what a Pixel Watch can do to that with Google's market share within the smartphone industry, not smartwatch, smartwatch industry, hanging out around 4 to 4.5% with Fitbit. If they're going to change that to Wear OS, they could grow this to being something that's honestly comparable to watch OS as far as market share goes. Yeah. I, I hope that that will be the case. Price is going to dictate whether or not that is the case. <laughs> Cause who knows what the this pixel watch true. will even, yeah. Who knows what the pixel watch will even be priced at? Because one thing that came to mind, and I know you were talking about the Apple watch and how you haven't really used it a whole lot. Honestly, the Apple watch SE in particular, which was an affordable version of the Apple Watch. That was like, that was the, I called it the forbidden fruit in my video because it was the thing that made me understand better why this ecosystem is so practical and useful. Because you are able to actually control so much of it, as you said, from the watch itself. Not only that, but it's always ubiquitous. It's always, it's always interconnected. Uh, one of my favorite moments was when I was on a trip one time uh, late last year, and this was with the new Apple Watch, but it, it does also work for the Apple Watch SE. If I were to go to an iPad and open up Apple Fitness Plus to do a workout in a hotel room, that wa that the watch is not connected to the iPad. It's connected to my phone, technically. But it was still able to trigger my watch from the iPad to track my heart rate, to track my reps, to track all those things. And the fact mm. that the phone didn't have to do anything because the ecosystem was already all intermingling, that was a, that was a big aha moment. And I was like, okay, I get this. I get why... You want to go all Apple everything because it does actually mean you have that interconnectivity. I'm hoping that that level comes up with the Pixel Watch. I totally agree with you. Um, at the very least, maybe certain features will arrive on the Pixel Watch that we've enjoyed on the Pixel 6, like the voice dictation is probably going to be better on it compared to any other smartwatch. Um, it obviously should be a camera remote shutter if the Pixel is all about camera 
You know, you're going to give the word, you're going to give the word pixel to a smartwatch. You better have it connect to the camera somehow. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> you can already do that right now with pretty much any Wear OS watch. So that, that's definitely going to be there. Yeah. So stuff like that. So it just has to make personally, if the prototype or whatever you want to call it, that was left at the bar that people were taking pictures of all that stuff. If that's the design of it, I'm not entirely certain that I'm really jazzed about it. I'm going to have to really see it for myself. Um, but I, um, I don't know. It just seems a little too like, I don't know, curvy <laughs> is the term I'm looking for. Well, it, but one of the things we need to point out, we haven't seen it with the screen turned on True. and based on some of the graphics, the leaks, the renders that we've seen, it should have a fairly large display. And so based off of what we've seen with that that device that was left at the bar, it's hard to see how large the display is because the screen just doesn't turn on. And not know, seeing you know a black slab without any reference for what it actually is is really hard on the brain to <laughs> just try to figure that out. You don't know where the edges actually are. Um, but I don't know. Like I, I do like the idea of the round design uh, that... You know, a lot of Wear OS watches do have, though my favorite Wear OS watch for the last couple of years, as far as design goes, has been the Oppo watch, which was a, it wasn't fully square, it was rectangular, uh, more like what Apple has on the Apple watch. The, the overall fit and finish looked a lot better than what so many other round display smartwatches have just because of the bezels have been so large versus having a curved glass that kind of melds into the edges of the phone. Or, sorry, not the phone, the smartwatch, <laughs> which looks like what we're going to be getting here. Like it's all glass that's melded into the edges versus having a bezel all the way around, uh, like a metal bezel or a metal frame around the display itself. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see like, what it actually turns into and maybe this is an early prototype and the design is that going to be a little bit tweaked from what we're seeing yeah maybe so again early looks right um final item at least from the hardware side we're obviously going to see we're going to hear a lot more from the developer side what things might be coming to software and whatnot but as far as the hardware is concerned that we're kind of hyped for what exactly and and i, I did leave the I did leave the uh, the the lowest stakes perhaps uh, device for the end here, um, but what what do we think a Google Pixel Buds Pro would actually bring to the table? That's any different from what we've seen from Pixel Audio in the past. Um, I'm not, I, I, I'm, I can't think of it. Well, I mean, we should be getting active noise cancellation um, and hopefully better audio uh, as far as audio that you're listening to, but also audio on the other side, because the Pixel Buds are notorious for not having really great audio when you're on a phone call. Uh, so hopefully they improve the microphones. You've been talking about how you're using voice dictation. Um, and that's that's something that should definitely be a priority for a product like this. Uh, you know, The A-Series better... wasn't that bad, though, the Buds A. Uh... <sighs> The Buds A actually, I think, were really, really bad as far as really? the microphones go. Um, like, I, I'm not, I honestly, I don't think I've ever tested out for the voice dictation, but for audio calls, the person mm -hmm. on the other side um, and doing my own tests, they they definitely fell short when compared to other other earbuds that cost around the same amount. I mean, Google kind of 
phone. I, personally, I think they kind of phoned it in there with the audio quality that huh. they delivered. Not the audio quality that you get out of the earbuds when you're listening to music, but the people mm-hmm. on the other side when you're having a phone call. Interesting, because yeah, Issa and I used the Buds A series quite often for um, video and voice calls, and we never really had a problem. Um, and the reason why I have that distinct uh, memory is because it was one of the only earbuds at the time. I think the only earbud at the time that was comfortable enough for her to actually use for said video calls and voice calls, because she has tiny ears. So yeah, that, that was that's why I have that distinct memory. I don't remember them ever being like bad. Well, what, was she using the Buds A or the regular Buds? The Buds A, the Buds A for sure. Because it was it was it was around that time that she was starting to like have a relationship with Google on some level, so it was the buds A that she was able to get. Uh, but yeah, like okay, but you're right. Pro probably meaning A and C. A and C is one of those uh, things that everyone kind of looks for and hopes for in 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 uh, audio products. Um, and if it's pro, that's probably it. Again, another like tiny version of Tensor on the actual earbuds. So the voice dictation is great. <laughs> like, I would really like that. I'm a huge believer of this kind of stuff, so I'm I'm, I'm really into it. Um, but yeah, other than that, probably um, Google Assistant stuff. I'm really interested to hear what Google Assistant is going to get updated with um, in this upcoming. Because I, I I I don't know. Google Assistant has been perfectly fine. Like I haven't really had any issues with it whatsoever. But I also don't feel like it's had a true evolution for a little while they 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 obviously focused on hardware last year so maybe google assistant's going to get some real evolutions this time well i mean they did announce some google assistant features that have taken their time to roll out um for anyone who's been following the news of the last couple weeks uh there's been um a, a slow rollout for uh google assistant being able to change your compromised passwords that are uh, embedded into or saved by the Chrome browser. So mm-hmm. if your password was leaked and there's a known database with your information, Google scans that information. And then it's part of the duplex feature that's built into the Google Assistant, the one they originally debuted to show, you know, you could make a reservation at a restaurant and the Google Assistant would have the conversation with the person at the restaurant to make the reservation for a specific time or a date. And what they're doing now is the Google Assistant is essentially navigating a website for you, going to the change password page on a website, putting in a new password, saving the password, and then saving that to your Chrome uh, browser so that you don't have to remember the new password. And it's doing it all on its own, similar to what it's doing now with also making uh, movie ticket purchases for you that directly through Google Maps. I don't know when I'm going to go back to a theater, though. <laughs> no, I'm still... <laughs> Well, so I, I I actually used the movie ticket purchase feature. I when was it last um, last Thanksgiving? We were at my in laws and we were going to go see a movie for the day after Thanksgiving. And I was just online looking at Google Movies, looking at the schedule, and um, it had a button by now, and it was the Google Assistant popped up over the screen, and it said, "How many people?" He put in three people. What time do you want? this and this and then it was like do you want to check out with google pay check out you're done and i and it you saw in the background as you were doing it with the google assistant overlay in the background it was navigating the website of the amc website to make the purchase Mm. which allowing the google assistant to do that so it's not google assistant as far as voice things that you know a lot of us rely on but google assistant as in making your life easier it's assisting you with that 
Yeah, and that's something that I have, that we all have been able to enjoy. Is that a, a bigger level, a, a further level of convenience because of Google Assistant, whether it's just on the smartphone side or even just beyond that? Um, okay, one thing I've, one thing I just realized. So for us to end this episode with that, I realized we didn't really say at the beginning of this Google I/O section is that we're not going to be there. <laughs> no, it's because still, it's, it's not still a virtual person. show. Yeah, exactly. So we're not, we're not at that level yet that Google I/O is going to be an in-person event. Um, that being said, I do want to sort of tease something for our listeners who make it this far in the episode. Um, I'm probably going to have an episode, quote unquote, on location, because there is a bit of a thing that's happening next week that is centered around Google I.O. And I'm going to be around many friends who are going to be um, attending that that particular event. So I'm going to bring a mic with me and just sort of do a quick podcast for all of us reacting. I'm sorry you're not going to be there, Nick, but that's what you get for not being in LA. And <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> but whoever is available, like in the area who is at the event, I'm probably going to have like a bunch of special guests next week on next week's version of the podcast, next, next week's edition that is going to be all about Google IO and reacting to the announcements that we just speculated about in this episode. So with all that said, um, yeah, that should do it for this sort of like hype up episode of Google IO. Nick, thank you again for being on the show. And uh, next week, we're going to have a slew of special guests, uh, people that you may or may not have heard on the podcast before, but you can look forward to that in the next episode. Um, anything you want to plug before I move to the outro? I know I talked about it a little bit last week, but uh, my a OnePlus 10 Pro review, mm. I finally got my ideas all together and put out my review of the device this morning. So if you want to check that out on youtube.com slash fandroid to see my thoughts on the 10 Pro. All right. I actually caught a little bit of it during your little premiere this morning when I woke up. It was nice. Um, all right. So go ahead and check out... Uh, Nick's video on that. Don't forget about Fandroid. And all of the links for Nick and myself are going to be in the show notes. But as far as Pocket Now and everything is concerned, I'm going to go through all of them in the outro starting now. All of the links for Nick Gray, Fandroid, and myself are found in the show notes. As far as Pocket Now is concerned, though, you can go to pocketnow.com for all of the latest headlines and then find Pocket Now on uh, social media at Pocket Now on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, and then, of course, finally, you have the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Pocket Now for video content that's coming out practically every single day. With all that said, though, we're going to go ahead and call it on this episode of the Pocket Now Weekly Podcast. We will see you in the special episode next week that I'm planning on making for Google I.O. and about Google I.O. as it happens on May 9, 10, 11, around that portion. Uh, in any case, uh, we'll see you in the next one. Uh, yeah, we'll see you in the next one.